0: If you want a title for the message, is that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. All right, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says this, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, And then he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, We're going to stop right there. We're going to cover the rest of chapter 5 into a portion of chapter 6, but I'm going to sort of summarize it as we go. Now, this section speaks about what we just read, verse 18 through 21, speaks about what we would call or consider worship or corporate singing, kind of what we just did. Right? The band came up here and they led us in song and we had lyrics on the screen and the idea of the lyrics being on the screen is so that we can follow along and if you've never heard the song before, at least you can get some of it out. It's not like karaoke though, that's not the point where you're just like, there's the bouncing ball and you're like trying to keep up. It's different than that. And the Apostle Paul in this text brings up this idea of corporate worship or corporate singing. And this is an important aspect of relationship with God. Now, worship is defined like this, reverence and adoration towards something. Reverence and adoration towards something, especially or specifically a deity. So it's reverence or an adoration towards something, specifically or especially a deity. And the Apostle Paul tells us the power and importance that worship has in our lives and in one another's lives. He says, "Sing to one another." I love the, the idea of speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing and making melody in your hearts of the Lord. Like I almost picture like you standing next to somebody and just like singing in their face, like he's like speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Just like sing to one another. Now it's kind of a, a funny idea, but what the apostle Paul is doing, what he's trying to get us to understand, is the importance of corporate worship singing. Now, for some of you, this idea of worship is a foreign concept, or maybe for some of you, just the time that we spend together in worship or singing is a foreign thing to you. Like maybe when you think of church and songs, you picture like uncomfortable pews and like a hymnal and like songs with words that you've never heard before, like Hosanna and hallelujah, like we sang tonight. Or maybe your only idea of worship is like what we have up here with like an amazing band and the songs are actually pretty good and it's like exciting. Whatever the case, that is aspects of worship. But what the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to understand is is the fullness of corporate worship or, or singing together. And that isn't, the, the, those ideas or whatever isn't exclusive to what worship is. And so, what I want us to do is sort of break down what worship is so that we can understand why we do it. Does that sound good? Yeah. We'll break it down a little bit so you can understand why it is we do it. Number one, you need to understand that worship is biblical. Worship is biblical. In other words, worship comes from the Bible. It wasn't some church thing that somebody made up. Like, do you know what would make church a lot less boring? It's like if maybe we sang songs for 15 or 20 minutes. Like, that seems like a good idea. Like, maybe it wouldn't be as painful. So let's do that. No, no, worship is biblical. Um, did you know that there's an entire book of the Bible dedicated to songs? It's called psalms. It's called psalms. <laughs> Which is not somebody just mispronouncing the word songs. Like maybe you've been in church and like somebody's like, turn to Psalms. And you're like, are you saying songs? Psalms? What is that word you, you say? So it's basically the book of Psalms is like, an, it's like a mixtape with a bunch of different artists singing about one God. It's basically what the book of Psalms is. It's a collection of songs with a whole bunch of different artists talking about one God. That's the book of Psalms. There's an entire book of the Bible just dedicated to singing. And in fact, it was what the children of Israel in the Old Testament would sing whenever they would gather together to worship God. Like that, That's literally their playlist. That's their set list when they would get together is the book of Psalms. And this idea, it, what that shows us is, is that God has a, a high value on singing, on worship, God. God desires for his people to be creative and and expressive in our love for him, and worship through singing is a way to do that. And when we lift our voice or play an instrument or write a melody, we're giving God the honor that he's worthy of. Psalm 98 verse 4 through 6 says it like this, It says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises, sing to the Lord with the harp or the acoustic guitar, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, which is a a singing, a song, with trumpets or the electric guitar and the sound of a horn, the keyboards, shout joyfully before the Lord, the king. And there's other text that talks about clanging cymbals, which is a shout out to the drums. So th- this, whole, this whole idea is, is about singing. It's about expressing worship to God. But notice that he says, shout joyfully to the Lord. Your singing might sound more like shouting, but to God, it's still worship. Like for some people, like I don't really dig the whole singing part because I'm not really like a singer. Well, until like the new Jonas Brothers song comes on and then it's like, then I'll, then I'll start singing. But, but I'm, not, I'm not a great singer, like I'm not into that. And, and what this says is, if your singing sounds like shouting, it's okay, God's still glorified in it. And, and what this tells us, this whole idea, is that singing, worship in that setting, honors God and gives glory to God. Did you know that even Jesus sang? Mark chapter 14, verse 26 says it like this, It says that, and when they—that's Jesus and his disciples—had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. It's a pretty interesting thought to think about Jesus singing. I wonder what his voice would have sounded like. Probably decent, right? Like, I mean, you're God. Probably, probably the disciples were like, "Whoa, nice." (laughs) But this idea, Jesus sang. Because worship is something that's not just something we do to pass the time. It's not something that somebody that was bored decided like, hey, that would make church a little more exciting. Worship is biblical. Number two, worship is also spiritual. Worship is spiritual. Paul, in our text, tells us to be filled with the Spirit and sing to God. Now, you need to understand that God is omnipresent. What that means is God is everywhere all the time. That's the reality of God. Uh, one, a Bible verse talks about that there's no place you can go to get away from the presence of God. No matter how far you run, no matter how you hide, no matter what you do, you cannot escape the presence of God. But although God's presence is everywhere all the time, there are places and settings where God's presence is more evident. That you can be in a situation and uh, a setting where it seems like God's presence is a million miles away. I'm sure we've been there before. Like There's a party that we're at that we know we're not supposed to be at, and you're just like, in your gut, you feel like, this is not a good place for me to be at. And there's settings, there's places where you're like, this just isn't right. I've been a, in situations where like, we're like, is God's presence even, even in the zip code? Like, is he anywhere near here? But then there's this reality that his presence is there. But then when we gather together in singing to worship God, that God's presence is more evident. In fact, uh, the book of Psalms, again, says that God dwells in the praises of his people. That God inhabits. He he makes himself known. He reveals himself when we sing to him. And so you need to understand that worship not only is is a biblical, but it's also spiritual, and when we worship God, what we're doing is we're connecting with God, and there's something about worship that makes your soul feel at home. Anybody like going home? You ever, you ever travel for like a, for a long period of time, and then you get to go home? Like just recently, Hannah and I, she's traveling again, we had to leave for the airport at 3 a.m. this morning. It was disgusting, it was the middle of the night. It wasn't early morning, it was the middle of the night. Um, but w- before that, we went on a trip to New Jersey, New York, and Virginia all in the same week. In eight days, we stayed in five different hotel rooms. It was just like a long, tr- and I can't even express to you the joy of when we opened the door and we arrived at home. It was like, yes, yes. No more hotel room, like this is, my, this is my bed, this is my kitchen, this is my shower, this is my toilet, no more of those toilet seat covers, like this is a blessing, like we're home, There's something about when you go home, you want to go home. And and this idea of worship, when we gather together and we worship God, there's an element where your soul, your eternal being, who you are at your core is connecting with God and there's a sense of going home with God. There's there's something that, that it's almost like your life was missing something until you were able to be in the presence of God in that way. And everyone, as much as we like going home physically, how much more does our soul, our eternal self, want to go home? And when we worship, we're allowing our souls to go home, in a sense. Now, although worship is spiritual, we need to understand it's not mystical or uncomfortable. The, the reality of when your soul goes home, when you connect with God, it's not, it's not going to be... How am I going to say this? It's not going to be weird. You're never going to lose control in the presence of God. The Bible talks about how how the spirit is subject to the prophet, not the prophet subject to the spirit. In other words, that you're not going to like eyes roll back in your head and like foam at the mouth and like totally lose the ability to control yourself in the presence of God. Like you're like, oh my God. What is going on with that person? Like, oh, well, they're just in the presence of God. And uh, you just got to kind of let it happen. And uh, hopefully they snap out of it soon. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, the presence of God, it's, it's going to make you, when you're in God's presence, there's this reality that you are, you belong. It's safe. You're, you're where God wants you to be. It's not going to be like, ugh, what is this? And there's times when you're outside of the presence of God where you feel like that. God's presence should never make you feel out of control. (laughs) Now, I'll get into this more in a minute. There's times in the presence of God where you feel uncomfortable in the sense of God is speaking to you and there's conviction. That's different. Where where you feel like there's like an itch where you're like, ah, gosh. Like, I really want to just peace and and joy, and for whatever reason, I just feel like there's this, ugh. That's different because God's speaking to some area in your life that he wants you to address. That's totally different, but when you're in the presence of God, this idea of it being spiritual, God's presence being spiritual, it's not going to get out of control and freaky and weird and like, what is going on? God's presence is, it makes you feel at home. Number three, Worship is biblical. Worship is spiritual. Worship is emotional and practical. Worship is emotional and practical. Now, it's emotional only in the sense that oftentimes when we're gathered in a setting like this with the music, you will feel something. I'm sure many of you have had times of worship where where the the band is playing and a song is sung and maybe it's a song you really like or maybe the lyrics are just that powerful and you feel something. And there's times where where that's a good thing, where God is going to address things and and speak to you and allow you to feel things because did you know feelings most of the time produces action? Like when you feel frustrated about something, you want to change that. Like when you feel happy about something, you want to express that feeling. Oftentimes, leads to action, and so don't discount the feelings that you might have in a time of worship. That's a, that's a fine thing. That's a good thing. If if you feel something and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I've never felt this before," like I I can I feel God's presence. I feel something happening here, but also. Not only is it emotional, it's also practical. What I mean by that is worship is something we choose, and it's a natural response to what God has done for us. Worship is a simple way for us to surrender outwardly to God. We surrender our voices. Sometimes we surrender our hands. If you ever look around in a time of worship and people are lifting their hands, and you're like, do they have a question? Like, what is going on? And, and what it is, is, is basically those that are lifting their hands, they're, they're kind of like the ideas if you've ever been, hopefully not, if you've ever been arrested, and they're like, hey, hey freeze, and you're like, it's an idea of like, I, I give up, I, I surrender. And an element of worship, when we lift our hands, is we're saying, God, I surrender all of myself to whatever you have. And so we lift our hands and outwardly to show our lives surrender to God. It's another way when we raise our hand It's basically saying like, God, I want what you have. Like call on me almost like all those things that we're singing about, all those ideas that we're talking about. Like pick me. (laughs) I want that. I want the blessing. I want the I want the forgiveness. I want that peace that we're singing about. Like pick me. And so it's practical. It's a natural response to what God is doing. And you need to understand that both of those things are important, but both of those things aren't necessary for you to worship. What I mean by that is sometimes you'll come into a setting, we'll worship God, and maybe one night you like felt it. You were like, you know what I mean? Like, we're like, whoa, every song, like, every, every note, like, oh, my goodness. Like, Alex and Kiko were just like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, this was crazy. And then the next week, you're like, man, maybe they're having an off night. Like, it's just, I don't feel it the same way as I did last time. And what happens, especially with young people, is that when they don't feel it, they think it's fake. Or when they don't feel it, they don't think it's it's happening or that it's real. And so what we have to be careful of is recognizing that although worship is emotional, it is equally practical, it is also practical. And just because you don't feel it all the time doesn't mean God's not worthy of your worship anyways and doesn't mean that God's presence isn't just as real in that setting as it is in a setting where you can really feel it. I can tell you that there's been plenty of times where I've come into a worship setting, and, I, and I'm tired, and you know what, the songs I really don't care for, and, and just, it's, it's not, it just, and from my perspective, it's not all that I think it should be, and I've just quieted my mind, quieted my own thoughts, and just said, God, you're worthy of my worship anyways, and those times have been some of the best moments of worship even though on a practical sense or from an observer it's like, ah, it wasn't as good as last week. Well, God's not as good this week as he was last week. God's not as faithful as he was today as he was yesterday. No, God is still worthy of my worship even if I don't feel it. And so worship, it is emotional, but it's also practical, and both of those things are necessary when worshiping God. Paul says there in verse 20, he says, giving thanks always for all things to God. He said, always, you got to give thanks, (laughs) all the time. Whether you feel it, whether, whether you have a great week or not, God is always worthy to be thanked. Now, all of this first section that we just read speaks of worship as a song or a time where we sing. And I wanted to spend a moment addressing that. Because for some of you, this is a foreign idea. This is new for you. So I just wanted you to understand, like, this is a a practice, a principle that goes long before, like, the factory was here or long before electric guitars were invented or long before there was mood lighting. Like, worship was always there. It's biblical, it's spiritual, it's emotional, and it's practical. And when we worship, what we're doing is we're lifting our voices, we're surrendering our voices, our hands, our thoughts, our energy, our time to God. That's the idea behind worship. But Paul transitions from this first point to talk about another type of worship to God, and that is worship with your life. So first he's talking about worship with your song or worship with your voice, and then he transitions to talk about worth it, worship worth it, worship, with your life because what you do is just as much worship as what you sing. What you do is just as much worship as what you sing. You could write this down. Worship is not less than a song, but it's more than a song. Worship is not less than a song. It's a song, but it's also... More than a song. And specifically, Paul tells us that obedience is worship. Obedience is worship. Look at there again at verse 21. So he says all this idea about singing to one another. And then he says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting means to obey. And he says all of this in the fear of God. Now, the fear of God, it's not terror, but it's honor and reverence. That's the idea. So he says, Obey, submit to one another in the fear of God. Everything we do stems out of worship and into worship. Everything we do stems out of worship and into worship. How we live, how we treat people, how we work, how we react to situations. All of these things should stem from worship and into worship. And then Paul through the end of chapter 5 and into the first half of chapter 6, gives us three practical ways we can worship God through obedience. And Paul goes from basically like 30,000 feet, he's giving us this huge principle idea of worship, and then he zooms in like all the way to like the weeds and gives us three like very practical things. Now these three practical things that he gives us, it's not exclusive to these three things. Like when he talks about obedience with your life and worship God through your obedience, he's not saying like these are the only three ways to do it. No, he's giving us very practical, specific ways to do it. Perhaps these are some of the issues that were going on in the church in Ephesus. So he addresses those things. Whatever the case, he goes from this big idea of worshiping God with your life, submitting to one another in the fear of God, and then he gets very practical and he talks about marriage. He talks about children and he talks about employees i'll read just uh, a couple of verses look at verse 33 it's on the screen this is sort of the summary of of marriages and how we ought to treat one another and use marriage as a form of worship that though how we interact i know most of you guys probably all of you guys are not married so the the idea here is how you interact with your spouse is a way to worship God. He says this, Nevertheless, let each one of you pra- uh, in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He, he he sums it all up, and he says if the husband loves his wife, and he would explain earlier that it's an unconditional love, like Jesus loves the church, is how he explains it. He says, Husbands, love your wives unconditionally, and wives, respect your husbands. And there's this this beautiful sort of uh uh, i don't know what the right word is maybe simulation does that work i don't know this like coming together where the husbands love their wives and the wives respect their husbands and all of that is a form of worship then he says uh in the next chapter in the next section verse one he says children obey your parents in the lord for this is right now this is one of those verses that probably most of us don't like to put to memory like i don't but probably your parents know it really well like, children, obey your parents. Like, it's, like it's, a, it's a Bible verse. Like It's one Bible verse that they know, probably. Like obey your parents. But this idea, what he's, what he's addressing is, again, obedience as a form of worship. That it's not just about doing what your parents say, although that is absolutely true. When you live under your parents' roof, it is very important that you do what your parents say. But he's, he's trying to give us a bigger reason behind it. It's not just like the classic parent response, like, because I said so. You ever get that one? Like, but why? And they're like, because I said so. And you're like, well, that's not, that doesn't really work. Like, I would like to know if there was, whatever. You, you said so, I guess. That's just going to be that. No, That's not what Paul's saying. Like, just obey your parents because they said so. He's he's doing he's trying to paint a bigger picture for us. He says obey your parents in the lord for this is right. Again, obeying your parents is a form of worship to God. And then the third thing he talks about employees verse 5 he says Bondservants, servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And this idea of bond servants, it, it, was, it basically employees. It, it was a different culture. They, it, they called them slaves, but it wasn't based upon uh, race or ethnicity or anything like that. It was literally a job. You worked for a family, you worked for, this is how it worked. And he says, when, when you work, he's saying, obey them, be obedient to those, but not just to, to be obedient. He says, not with eye service as men pleasers, not just to get the job done, but he says, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, again, all of these things is what I'm trying to say is that worshiping God happens through obedience, that the way we live our lives is a way for us to show worship to God. And how we interact with people and how we respond to people and how we respond to people saying, hey, this is what you need to do. And how we deal with conflict and how we deal with all of these things are a form of worship to God. And Paul's point is worshiping God through obedience. You can honor God and point people to God through every area of your life. And he gives us some practical ways to do that. And it's all through obedience. Now, again, obedience is not a hot topic, right? It's not like, hey, we talked about obedience. What a great day. No one likes being told what to do. <laughs> at, least, at least not me. I got, it was funny. We just this week, I'm sure many of you guys have done it. Maybe not. We did like the personality test, the Enneagram. I don't know if you've heard about that. But I was an eight. And basically the eights like hate having bosses and being told what to do. And it was like I kind of always knew that about myself. But to be honest, like most people are like that. Like nobody likes to be like room barged in on and then just like abruptly told what to do. Nobody likes that. And, and so obedience is, is not one of the, our favorite things to talk about. And many people don't like the idea of following God be, because they think of it as just being told what to do. Like so many people think that Christianity and relationship with God is simply a list of things to do and not do. Like God said, don't do this. And God said, don't do that. And God said, don't have any fun. And God said, don't watch this. And God said, don't go here. And then hope your life is miserable. All right, God said, it. I hope it's miserable. All right, see you later. <laughs> and, and so often we think of relationship with God as like just being told what to do. And we hate being told what to do. When Hannah and I were traveling back from... Um, one of, wherever we were coming from, there was one of those um, d- like security dogs. Have you seen these? So it's like the new thing that before you go through the metal detector in the airport, they have dogs that come and are very intimidating, and they like sniff you, and you're like, hopefully they don't stop. Hopefully I don't have anything weird in my bag that would cause them, like, what are you smelling for? I don't know, like snacks. Whatever the case, it... It says on the dog, like they're wearing like a harness that says like, big, do not pet. And Hannah was like, I never have impulse to pet dogs, but I really want to pet this dog right now. And there's something about like a sign that says like, don't touch wet paint. You're like, hmm, how wet is it? <laughs> and there's, there's, there's something about us that when, when, when it talks about, when we think about like obedience and, and being told what to do, we, we're just like, I want to do the opposite of that. You tell me this, I'm gonna, you told me to do this, I'm going to do the exact opposite thing. Why? Because I don't want to do what you told me to do. But what Paul wants us to understand is that when we have relationship with God, we can use obedience, the part of us that doesn't want to do that, surrender it to God, and now we are obeying not just the situation, but obeying God and worshiping God and we worship God through our life. In all three of these examples that Paul gives us, obedience, when we follow God's plan, leads to the best results. The end result of marriage in this idea is a happy and blessed marriage. The end result of of obeying your parents is good family relationship. The end result of obeying your boss is a better work environment. What he's saying is that when you learn to trust what God is doing, and you worship God through every area of your life, the result is the result that everybody wants. The problem is nobody wants to get to that result God's way. Everybody wants the perfect relationship, but they don't want to do the work or do the things that God says, this is how you have a good relationship. Everybody wants to have a good relationship with their parents or their family, but nobody wants to do the things that God has said. But when you follow God and you surrender to God in worship, You're able to get the result that God wants us to have. Because worship, it's a song, but it's more than a song. It's honoring God in everything we do. Final thought. We're going to close here. Worship team, you guys can come up here. Final thought. You can write this down. We worship in obedience, not convenience. We worship God through obedience, not convenience. The thing about all these things that Paul brings up is that none of it is convenient. None of it. In fact, I've got, I've, I was talking with a friend today just about how difficult his relationship that he's in is. He's like, dude, this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my whole life. And, and I was like, D- let me share with you what, what I'm teaching tonight to the high school students. And read to him this passage of scripture and like, He's like, yeah, but he's like, yeah, but there's there's this and and the but is it's not convenient. Like I want the result that I want, but that seems like a difficult way to get there. And so everybody wants this this perfect situation, the perfect uh, scenario, the perfect life. But oftentimes the things that God has for us to get there, it's it's not convenient. It's not easy, and a lot of times, worship is inconvenient. I I don't know what your week has been like, but a lot of times, we come into a situation like this, and our circumstances are terrible. Like, maybe we just got in a fight with with our family on the way here. Or maybe there's an unresolved fight from a few nights ago that's just kind of lingering a little bit. Or maybe one of our friends that you thought was there for you isn't really there for you. And then you come into this situation and we're singing like God, you're good, hallelujah, all these things. And you're like, yeah, but it's not. It's not that good. Like my life at home is miserable. Like I don't get along with my siblings. My parents, like, it. just, we're we're not getting along. My friends aren't there for me. Like, whatever it is, we come into a situation, and we're singing, and we're like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can sing these. I don't know if I can worship God right now. Because it's just, let me tell you, worship oftentimes comes from inconvenience. Where we just decide, do you know what? I'm not worshiping my circumstances. I'm not worshiping my parents. I'm not worshiping a perfect life. I'm not worshiping everything working out perfectly all the time. I'm worshiping a God that's good. I'm worshiping a God that makes bad things good. I'm worshiping a God that can change even the worst situation into better situations. I'm not worshiping a circumstance because circumstance is all based upon convenience. I'm worshiping a God that inconvenienced himself that I might know him, inconvenienced himself to the tune of uh, leaving heaven and coming to earth, inconvenienced himself for a whole lifetime living perfectly, enduring temptation and trial and best friends stabbing him in the back and people uh, wrongfully accusing him and, and ultimately putting him on a cross where he didn't deserve to be, to die a death that I deserved Inconvenienced himself so that I could know him and when you realize that and you recognize this is what God has done for me then you will happily inconvenience yourself and inconvenience your life and inconvenience your comfort in order to worship God and glorify him it's not about convenience it's not about feeling it because you're not gonna feel it all the time but God's still faithful even when you don't feel it. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to worship God. And whatever is going on in your life, good, bad, in between, like kind of I don't really care, I don't really know, let's worship God like he inconvenienced himself so that we could know him. Let's worship God like he's been faithful all this time, and he's going to continue to be faithful. Let's worship God like he's a good God and a faithful God and a loving God and a compassionate God and a a faithful God that's there all the time. Let's worship him and recognize that he's worthy of our worship even when our life and our situation and our circumstances aren't. God's always faithful. He always will be faithful and he's always worthy of our worship. Listen, our worship, when you sing, it's biblical. It's what God designed. It's spiritual. You are in the presence of God. It's emotional. It's physical. We we choose to do it. We respond to what he's doing. Listen, it's not, it is a song. It's not less than a song, but it's more than a song. You can worship God through your life, and you worship even when it's inconvenient.